Hello, this is Danny Mazer, and welcome to the Soul Stories Podcast, an extension of Soul Stories, where we host conversations for healing and change. Normally on this podcast, you'd hear different interviews where guests go in-depth with their stories and talk about the different issues and topics that their stories intersect with. We're currently in between seasons of the normal podcast, and in the meantime, we're going to bring you occasional episodes from our Patreon conversations with Chelsea and I, where we talk about different topics that are meaningful to us. This week, we're talking about faith in the creative process. Chelsea and I dig deep into our relationships to self-expression and creativity, and we try to make sense of this topic and how much meaning it has brought to our lives. It's a really beautiful conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll walk away with something. I think you'll connect with it. And if you would like to hear all of our Patreon conversations, sign up at patreon.com slash soulstoriesdenver. Okay, here is our episode. Enjoy. Are you ready? I'm ready for this. Okay. We're here. Hi, Hi. patrons. Hello. Back again. We are back with another segment of... Chelsea and Danny talk about interesting stuff. <laughs> Do we have a second name? We've been workshopping that name all week, and that's all we could come yeah. up with. Yeah, it's perfect. It's It's got zest. It's got pow. It's really should just be called Danny and Chelsea are trying to prove that they're interesting. Chelsea and Danny. Chelsea and Danny. Better. Good. Chelsea is interesting, and he's Danny's learning. trying to prove that he's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are we starting? We're starting. Okay. What did we talk about? What did we read slash listen to slash whatever we did to come to our patrons this week? This week, we delved into something real nice and juicy. The Artist's Way, a very famous book. Many people have explored it and done those morning time journal entries that they require you to do in this book. Um, It's a beautiful book that I feel like I've been revisiting my whole life. (laughs) Like my mom had this book when I was a child. Um, and the artist is Julia Cameron, which means Julia Shrimp. <laughs> and I didn't know that until right now. So we just read one chapter on it. And we're going to kind of break it down. Um, it's week 12, Recovering a Sense of Faith. Mm. Why did you pick this chapter? Is because my first I was like, faith, ew. <laughs> <laughs> and so I felt the need to like dig into it. And challenge my own perceptions on faith and stuff like that. Quick backstory is when we became friends and first started really working with each other, I guess just friends, we were much more spiritual than we currently are. That's true. Especially me. Yeah. Well, especially me. I was still like really exploring Christianity at that time. Wow. And Buddhism. Well, Buddhism meets Mm -hmm. Christianity kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah, well, and so it kind of is related to a Facebook post that I recently made. And it's a simple meme that I shared that was like, it's the meme says, you've heard of red flags. Here are some relationship green flags. And it has things on it like um, has nurture, nurtures their hobbies, has longstanding relationships, uh, values what you have to say, like very basic things mm-hmm. that are like good green flags that you want in a relationship. And then one of the green flags was spirituality. And I commented that I don't actually think that spirituality is a green flag for me. And it sparked a heated debate. Really? Yes. Is spirituality, and this is very tied to faith, 
is spirituality of relationship green light or red flag? Mm, interesting. For you, is it? It is. Ne- it doesn't mean anything to me. It's more how it is expressed in somebody. Same. If you're not spiritual, that doesn't bother me. If you're super spiritual, it doesn't bother me. But if you're, yeah, it's, it, I would have to, it's more about discerning who the person is than if you're spiritual or not spiritual. Totally. Cause that word is so vague. Right. And I guess for me, it's like, if you're not spiritual, that's fine. If you're super spiritual, I have some questions, but mm-hmm. maybe, uh, but if you're just like average spiritual, then it's like fine. Yeah. I feel like for me, it's whatever you are, as long as you're not using it to bypass world world problems or personal problems is really where I kind of think about it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And I think that there is a little bit of a trap with like complete lack of spirituality because it can be a kind of this is certainly not always the case, but I think sometimes it can be a thing of like nihilism, like nothing matters Uh or like, we're just going to the dirt. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, sucks to be poor, sucks for them. Like try being rich next time (laughs) or something like that. Like very uncompassionate approach Mm -hmm. um, to like, that's just how life is. It's a dog eat dog world. Um, So that's kind of a, can be a watch out too. Yeah. Something I, I think, you know, back to this recovering a sense of faith is that I'm currently trying to work on is I think there is something to the mystery. There's something to the bigger picture. There's something like I've been walking around recently going, Oh my God, this world is really a miracle. It is insane that I'm walking, talking, thinking, um, creating, Um, looking at trees, breathing air. Like it is so, it's so magical that how could spirituality not exist? Like, you know, and I remember I used to think like that and have those thoughts and I haven't had those in a while. And I can see how the, those thoughts really bring like value and positivity into my life. Um, and how I treat people and see the world. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Go in. I mean, don't I don't, I don't feel that way, but I'm like, good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because like, yeah, I, we, I have a lot of people, I've had a lot of people say that to me when I'm like teaching science, the idea of like, wow, the cosmos are so amazing. You just look at it and you think, how could God not exist? Uh huh. Um, or a flower, like so amazing. Um, what a miracle. And I just think that like, Miracle, the word miracle to me makes it less amazing mm. because it's like, it, it, like if anything could just happen out of any, out of nowhere, you know, if it's, if God is just like pure magic, then it's not actually that impressive. But if you have to actually like, if there has to actually be pattern and like process for things to come into creation, then that's more impressive. Yeah, and I don't think I was saying it without that. I think uh-huh. I think it I think the that we're that everything that happened had to happen for me to exist is fucking crazy. <laughs> That's how I feel about yeah, it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. it's insane and I just feel like, you know, that sense of awe that comes with spirituality I think is really nice. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's always going to be so much that we don't know. And the more that we know, the more that we won't know. Right. Yeah. And that is like, it inspires awe. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, thinking about the artist's way, I think that that's, um, a great space to go to tap into meaningful transformational art. And I'm going to reference Alex Gray's book called the mission of art, where he kind of proposes that, um, there's like a high spiritual purpose of creating art and artists are intended to be the conduit for people to connect through something that is otherwise intangible for them. And, in order to truly experience art, you are transformed. Mm. And um, I think that that's definitely my favorite kind of art. I think, you know, art can have maybe other purposes as well. But when I experience art, what I'm looking for is I'm looking to feel transformed. Yeah. I'm looking to feel brought into something new or like I'm changing. And um, that's why I think that this concept of faith that she's talking about in the artist's way is like, yeah, it's a really great jumping off point. Yeah. Well, how do you interpret what she was talking about with faith? I think she was talking largely about faith in her faith in your process, like self-trusting. Mm. And the first sec- section is called trusting. Um, and so it's like sometimes you don't know where you're going to end up, but you you just start. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's very true for soul stories as well. Yeah. I feel like what I've maybe learned a harder way than I needed to <laughs> is the, what this book was trying to teach about the creative process. Could you put words to it? Yeah. I think, um, being able to put something out there and let it breathe, you know, I mean, you've witnessed me and my most anxious states as a creator in soul stories I think one of her metaphor was like when you when you're when you're planting and gardening you don't pull up a plant to see its roots. Mm-hmm. Like you just trust that the roots are growing. Yeah. And I I'm sure you can point to a 100 million times where I was like pulling up the plant being like are the roots there? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or uh, it's like also the, the same lesson I learned with checking on the bees too much. Uh-huh. Like with keeping bees you're actually just supposed to allow the bees to be bees. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, with soul, a, with soul stories, I was like, what is soul stories? Why are we doing it? And I would like ask you, remember how many, many times I would ask you that question? Yes. Like weekly. It was almost like it, it want, it was like you, you went for, through a phase where you felt that it needed to be perfect in order to move. Yes. Um, but I think the truth was that we discovered that you discovered is that you were afraid of moving. Yes, totally. Um, and I've also recently had a conversation similar to this in in comparing music, lyric writing and poetry writing with something like doing yoga. Whereas like if you're in a yoga class, if you're learning to do a yoga pose, you do step by step and you go as far as you can. And then you, you know, you go from there and then you build and you build further Mm -hmm. and further. So your body can handle it. Yeah. And you get it perfect before you take the next step. You know, you get a good, strong, solid foundation and you get secure before you take the next, next deeper and deeper move. Mm -hmm. But with like creative writing, for example, sometimes you just have to like put it out there. 
Yeah. And uh, get into the, the practice of having a flow. Um, in, and so you have to just like start by just like unleashing your suckiness and just like getting, yeah, allowing it to come out, which is a really like, it's an interesting skill to like create flow. And a lot of people don't have any space in their lives where they're actually practicing and learning that. Yeah. I, I, there was a part where, you know, she was talking about, I think, And what's interesting about this is her advice on the creative process. There's like some contradictions to it in a way, um, but I think all good truth has contradictions in it. What were the contradictions? Um, Just like letting things be organic and like letting them develop and not being creative for the sake of productivity. Mm -hmm. Um, But also in the same breath, like cultivating that creativity and having to work on it and having to like, you know, work with it and build it also, I think takes a sense of productivity to it. Like you have to just show up and try. Yes. And it, it's not all organic and sometimes it's messy. I mean, it's organic and at the, sometimes it's forced and sometimes it's organic and sometimes forcing it actually leads to more organic growth in my experience. It reminds me of that, um, that video of uh, Shia LaBeouf going, do it! <laughs> like, just do it, yeah, you know? totally. Because um, I think that that is a, a lot of it. It's like, you just got to keep practicing. You just got to do it. it. Mary Oliver talks about just like, you have to show up to write every single day. Yeah. And I think about that with us over the pandemic where we, for the last year you know, we meet every single Monday for mostly three hours a Monday. Yep. And we have probably brainstormed, I don't know, a thousand ideas that have ne- will never see the light of a day. But some of them cycle back. Yeah. And I love it when they do. But we take them seriously with every single one. We take yeah. them so seriously. Like it's going to be the next idea. And in the next week, if it just doesn't keep floating, we just... We're like, okay, that idea didn't work. And then we just, yeah, we just keep trying and create and brainstorming and writing on the whiteboard. And, um, it's kind of a practice in abundance in a, in a way, it's like yeah. the opposite of scarcity mindset, right? Where you know that more ideas will come and that the right thing you'll, well, um, I think we're getting better at feeling when it clicks. Yeah. Knowing when the right thing is the right thing. And uh, another thing that I keep bringing up lately is like, if it is something that's like we come up with, but then it doesn't match the needs of the community, then that also like, we don't need to keep with that. Right. You know? And so like, we're, I think that we're getting better at like learning to read, read the moment, read the needs. Yeah. And, and listen. Yeah. And not be so attached. And I think that's kind of where this leads to mm-hmm. is like letting it be what it is and what works out. Yes. Um, versus, you know, trying to control it so deeply. Yes. I think she, she says something about children, her, your child, your brain child, and that just like with a child, it's it's not yours to keep. Yeah. It's like you help the child, you raise the child, but your child is not yours. Yeah. I like how her, some of her practices for her artists that she teaches are like 
you should go and garden. You should go experiment with a hobby. You should go do something meaningless and um, not meaningless, but low stakes, low stakes, something without importance as a way of letting the creative juices flow in those moments. Mm -hmm. Yes, because I think that like I've been working on this performance piece for this talent show that we're doing on Friday Mm -hmm. and uh, it's like a backyard talent show. They're building a stage back there. It's going to be so like fun and kitschy. I'm so stoked for it. And um, I've, I've get, I'm like noticing that I've gotten so much better at my creative process. Like when you're like, okay, I have to do something for five minutes. I feel like that happens a lot in Denver. We have a lot of like shows where it's like, just talk for five minutes. That's your thing. (laughs) Um, And, So, like, I had no sense of anxiety this time, and it felt so good to watch my ideas, like, rise up and then be like, oh, wait, that's not quite going to work in that environment. Let it drop back down. Mm. And to, like, watch them, like, pieces of an idea come together with other pieces of an idea and slowly see how it could fit with the event and what the event's vibe is all about. Yeah. And like just like the kind of weaving process of like creating the thing that you want to do. I really like how you're bringing other like the outside influences into it. Like it's not I mean this is a lot about self this chapter but I think there's totally something to meeting an audience as well and not in it not being completely about self. Like some of um I think about Eminem a lot with this in a weird way, but interesting. E- yeah. <laughs> Eminem used to make songs. Like when you listen to his like rap, they were songs and they were like well-structured and they were catchy and they were fun. And he rapped like insane. And I was, it's like this beautiful concoction. And as he got older, what I noticed or as of recent is like he just turns on the it just feels like the songs are now he turns on the mic and he raps as hard and as impressive as he can and there's something to me about like when you're in the flow of the creative state you're not actually fully you're like in yourself or in exactly who what you want to create you're like in communication with what you're creating for as much as um who you like you as the creator it's yeah. not just about you. It's about the audience you're interacting with and um, you're exposing your craft to. Yes. And like... I don't know if that fully relates to the song thing, but somehow that connected for me. It does. It I, it does relate. And like, yeah, I think with improv, um, one of the first things you learn when you're taking an improv class is I've had teachers say, you think that you just have to stand here and like think of something out of nowhere and that's never the case Mm. what you have to do is like really sink into the present moment and like be attentive to what is happening and it could be even like the most subtle like eye twitch or something that your co-performer does and then that jumps you into a scene Mm. and so it's about like taking advantage of what is there Rather than like what you think should happen. Yeah. Like if you come onto uh, an improv set with a plan, 
you're not going to be fun to play with. <laughs> no, and the scene probably won't go very well. Yeah. Because you have a plan of what the other person's going to say, but guess what? You're not in control of that. So. <laughs> right. And that's really what she's talking about. I feel like ultimately is letting go of control. Yes. Uh, a famous comedian was, I heard him talking and he was like, yeah, I sing to myself really silly songs before I get on stage. Like, oh, you're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot. Idiot, idiot. Like, as dumb and as off-tune as possible. Because <laughs> if he comes with a thought before he starts talking, then he's like, he's like, I've lost. And he's like, wow. I try to, he's like, I just try to be as silly and in the moment as I can and not think about my jokes, my structure, anything. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's she talks about that in this book as well, the idea of like we have to be serious about taking ourselves lightly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's what he's doing. Yeah. Like and I I know there's been so many moments where I'm backstage about to go on for a set and I've been like I have to think that I am professional. I am capable. <laughs> yeah. I am why, you know, like I have to like force onto my own brain this idea that like that like I'm going to be impressive yeah and like the fact that he's just like you're a fucking idiot <laughs> is like oh my god that's so funny um yeah very freeing totally very freeing yeah before my te- i think if i could go back and do the ted talk again i would n- not be as nearly as serious about myself as i was you know it was like so much memorization and fear and panic that went into those before moments um, it's so much pressure. And sometimes when I rewatch that video, I'm like, oh, you're like, you're just, your movements are a little too choppy or like a too, and it, it just kind of came out in it. Like it wasn't as relaxed as it could have been. I, I wasn't as flowy as possible. How know? many times have you rewatched it? Oh, probably close. Well, fully rewatched it. None, but watched like 30 seconds to a minute, mm. probably 10 times. That's about as much as I can take of myself on video as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like 30 seconds and I'm like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> you know where I find myself being a narcissist though? Hmm. Uh, listening to my uh, podcast, listening to the Soul Stories podcast. Uh-huh. I like re-listening to myself talk. And I actually specifically like listening until I make a joke. And then I laugh in congruence with my laugh on the podcast as Whoa. I'm listening to it and Ocean has witnessed me do this a few times and it's like wow, it's my favorite thing to do is <laughs> <laughs> listen to my bad dad jokes and laugh at them with well, myself <laughs> at least you're entertaining yourself if no one else <laughs> oh my god that is the ultimate dad vibes <laughs> yeah that's really bad <laughs> oh um, so this book also talks about mystery and the idea of like creative ideas don't just get flicked on like a switch. They kind of emerge slowly out of like murkiness into the light. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really good thing to remind yourself as well. Um, And I think a lot about this book is really fostering discipline without expectation. 
That's a really good way to put it. It's so hard to do that because, you know, discipline is hard and you want to think that you're working for something tangible. You know, we live in a very transactional world. Yeah. And the creative process isn't always going to meet that need. I think something I, I witness like in Bryce, you know, Bryce Mayero, um, your boyfriend, very talented poet in Denver is he is really good at that. I feel like with poetry, um, because he's always reading and writing poetry. Like you can find him doing that. I know. It feels like at least 30 to 50% of the day. Um, and I, I feel like what's so good about it is, and you know what else he does? He'll be like, Hmm, roof. (laughs) Think about that word roof. Think about that sound of that word. Only a poet. Who was the first? (laughs) Like, whoa! You're just like deeply like delving into this random ass word all day. He does this. (laughs) I feel like he has. That's what is fun for him. So he does that, and I feel like discipline can really be cultivated when you're doing something that's fun. Yeah, and it's like like it has to be a creative thing that's like fun to do over and over and over again. I know, but the thing that really fucks with art a lot is that everybody wants to be special. I know. And the way to be special is to be an influencer or like a famous, to be famous. You know, I I don't really know if anyone deserves or should be famous. Like, I just don't (laughs) don't think it's necessarily good for humanity. Right. Um, And the idea that like, if you do art, people will love you. You will be famous makes for shitty ass art and it's like in the way of art all the time it's so annoying totally and honestly like in my phases of most unhealthy i've gone to those famous people that i look up to be like how did you get where you get and i and i like listen to their stories and the artists at least that i've listened to a lot of them are like oh i really enjoyed doing this and it just came you know, like Justina Blakeney, Blakeney from our last one was like, yeah, I was just, I created a blog because I like creating a blog. And then I actually had a Pinterest that didn't, I didn't even pay attention to. And all of a sudden I looked at it and I had a million followers. Yeah. And then I just took off from there and it was like, oh, a lot of these people don't force fame on themselves. And the rest of us look at them and they're like, we're going to force fame on ourselves because we want to be like them, you know? Yes. It's like the howling thing. Yeah, that's a good example. Bring that up. We started this, Bryce and I, that you just mentioned, we started this thing where people go outside and howl at eight. And we, it obviously took off and it became like this famous thing that everybody was doing in 2020 in the summer for a couple months. And like, that's not because we are creatively superior or in any way. Or because, like, that idea is better than, like, the idea that, like, a five-year-old could have had. Like, it's, it's fame and popularity are not correlated to skill. Uh-huh. I think they're more correlated to nepotism than they are to skill. Explain nepotism again. It's like, you know people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really true. But also, that's not what happened with Hala 8. Hala 8 was, like this is something that's easy for people to access and it's it just met a need at the right time. Yeah, totally. And I think that's also a, a possibility for art exploding is when art just meets a need. Yes. 
like musicians come along at the right time and then they blow up because their music just meets a need we didn't know we had. Yeah. And like, but, but also there, there could have been some other musician that was making very similar art that just like didn't get into in front of the right people. Right. Yeah. It doesn't like say so much of it is luck. Yeah. It doesn't say anything. I mean, there's, you know, talk about Michael Jordan as an artist in basketball. There's probably, I, I would guess there are a lot of people at his skill level that for whatever reason didn't get to the NBA. Yeah. I mean, my dad would talk about it. Like he knew some of the most talented people who came from rough homes that just never, they had to go to work. They had to go to work or, you know, they got mixed up with the wrong crowd, A, B, C, D. Rough. Anyways. So how should we wrap up our conversation on the faith in the creative process? I guess the thing that binds all of this together is like art for art's sake. (laughs) Mm. And, um, you know, whether, whether you're truly an artist or whether it's like the art of the spreadsheet that you create or the art of the way that you arrange your living room or whatever it is that you're like putting yourself into. Um, I think that like do that thing and, and trust, trust in your process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also, um, just want to give a random ass plug for like mixing, mixing knowledge from other art forms into your art form. So if you're like designing your living room, look at like, what do you like about the way this person presents a plate of food and see what, how you can take from that and inspire yourself to make something unique in your living room. Or if you're, you know, like to bring up Bryce all the time, (laughs) he like this year wrote a poem because he was really into Picasso and he was like, I want to write a poem that's like cubism. So he like yeah. did some research on cubism and like discovered some things about it. And then he wrote a poem that was like that. Right. He followed an instinct that sounded like fun, interesting. And he went with it. Yeah. Inspiration comes in like, can come in the strangest and smallest ways. Totally. Totally. Yeah. The creative process is super beautiful and it makes life a lot more substantial I'd say Mm -hmm. in my life at least Mm -hmm. and make sure that you're not creating as a means of trying to feel more valuable as a human being because you are inherently valuable as a human being and whatever you create or don't create is probably going to be gone in a hundred years anyway (laughs) and even if you are creating as a means of being important keep creating no matter what even if you never realize that importance and I'm sure you'll find like what it's actually for I like that alright we love you as always thanks for listening to the soul stories podcast it means a lot to us that you take time out of your day to engage with this conversation if you have feedback for us uh, email Find us on social media. We'd love to hear your feedback and what you think of it and what topics you'd like for the future and what guests you'd like to hear from um, in future podcast seasons. We hope you have a wonderful day. This is Danny and Chelsea signing off.